This is episode number 589 of the Inner Fight Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the show, folks. Thanks a lot for tuning in, no matter where you are in the world. And thanks a lot to our show sponsors, Smith Street Paleo, as always, keeping us full of all of the good food. Hop over to smithstreetpaleo.com. Check out everything that's going on over there. Get on a meal plan. Get ready for the start of the new year. Even if you don't want one over Christmas, you need one in the new year. Go and check it out. Hello at smithstreetpaleo.com. They'd absolutely love to hear from you. Another episode of the podcast and another new member of the Inner Fight team. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Mr. Robert Foster. Round of applause. Thank you very much. No one's one's even clapping yet. Tom Walker, you brought him into this mess. Please tell us why. Well, I knew this guy. He needed a bit of a handout and I thought I can help him out. No, actually, I'm really excited to have Rob here on the team. He's, he brings a lot uh, of knowledge to the coaching team, and he seems so far to be having a decent laugh with us. He can, uh, he can run okay, he can ride all right, so I thought let's, let's join him into the team and see what damage he can do. Mate, Rob, tell us a little bit, background, where you're from, why have you got a funny accent? That's what most people are going to be worried about, aren't they? Yeah, yeah it's my accent's not even that bad, eh? Um, so I'm originally from Newcastle in the UK, um, been traveling around all my life, uh, haven't quite lost the accent. Bit of background on me just generally. Uh, he's, got, he's got his iPad, he's got notes on his iPad, I can see it under the table. Got, uh, he did a presentation earlier to us and it was, it was very thorough. It was thorough. I would oh, be here for okay. at least two hours. <laughs> 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 Sorry mate, continue. <laughs> yeah, so start out um, 800 meter runner, like just as a kid, being an overactive child, as you do. Uh, kept on with that, got quite good at running, started winning quite a lot, started winning everything pretty much in the northeast. Um, got injured heaps, uh, followed my passion, kept running, kept sport, went to university, did uh, applied sports sciences at Edinburgh, same as uh, Tomo here, and then took up cycling did, did after he, that. Did he get a first? I don't know, did he get a first? I did not get a first. And it oh. took him four years, only took me three. Yeah, oh, okay. it's, it's Edinburgh isn't it, so yeah, it's four it's years. A little bit slower Catch up, up time. Yeah. Oh, very good, so sports science at university, then what happened? Um, went out of university, took up cycling, went to Saudi Arabia for three or four months with me, with my dad who worked out there, and uh, found cycling. Got right into it, crit racing, got spat out the back, learned the hard way. <laughs> Looked like an idiot for about a good two, three years. Yeah. Um, went back to the UK. What else did I do there? Just kept cycling, kept going up hills. Yeah. Kept racing. Um, really enjoyed it. Got along with that, like started coaching. Got my own coaching business. Um, started at a leisure club and then I worked away as assistant manager there and then I moved to London where I f- was the endurance coach and then I took over as assistant manager and I managed Tom who now manages me so <laughs> it's a funny, it's a funny is, old world isn't it? This is a funny one. Rejected me at the start as well so this is my chance to get straight my straight mate, straight I, I want to sort of get a little bit of background on, on that mate because we've heard various editions of it. What actually was the story there? The story was I wanted to work so, in London post uni right. so I not new to this game knew I'd have to sort of do some work for free so I decided to find what I thought was the best training place in London which was yeah. Athlete Lab right. and I actually went to them and said I'd like to volunteer my time for free right? And maybe a, a day a week that I could go up on a Friday afternoon and, and work and they didn't speak to me for three months and then after three months <laughs> very, I got very, offered b- a, very bad at emails got offered a, a part time contract after three months and then within another two months I think I've gone full time and 
kicked Rob out. Wow. So if we're looking at the job role that you're going to do here, Rob, recruitment wouldn't be high on the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't reply to a potential, a potential, potential suitors who've got very good CVs. Yeah. No, no, none of that. What, what was it that you didn't quite like about Tom? <laughs> uh, working for free. Yeah, was the problem. <laughs> Wasn't happy with that. Nobody works for free. Nobody works for free. But mate, tell, tell us a little bit about it because that's really when you, I guess, when you really got into coaching in a big way in, a, in, in, in that gym environment. The Athlete Lab's quite unique in what it does. Maybe tell us a little bit about that and about the cycling and sort of how, what, what you did there, mate. Yeah, so Athlete Lab is, is pretty unique. Um, Tom knows all about it. It's basically formed from a, a concept of these city workers who really wanted to or train and they couldn't because they couldn't get out of the city so they yeah. set it up it's basically in its entirety is um, turbo trainers hooked up to bikes and like adjustable bikes that are pretty specific just like a road bike right and then they train to power so it's all power based that's right. that's where my experience has been developed for three and a half years of training people with power right and learning how to and apply the science to that and to yeah. make them achieve their goals whether it be going up a hill faster on a weekend yeah. and beating your mates or like a, a week-long stage race in the Alps. Talk us through a little bit of that, mate. You say applying science, power, a lot of people are going, what the hell is going on here? Anybody who has Swift sort of knows it now. Um, so Swift, that's the thing though, Tom. Swift's not absolutely massive here, is it? Like compared to what it was or what it is in the UK? Or I would say different times of year, probably. There's right. no reason why Zwift shouldn't be huge here, I believe. Right. And hopefully in 2020, we're going to make something happen there. But uh, Shameless plug for another mate of his, but yeah, still. Yeah. yeah. But no, it's true. I think in the UK, because you've got such more, like a lot more variable weather, Yeah. Um, it's, it's probably a little bit more common. But we used yeah. to see it in the lab as well, I think, was we probably would see members come and go and secretly on the side they'd be like actually I'm, I'm doing Zwift I got Zwift I got Zwift oh really yeah so yeah. it's quite interesting to actually pull them back into the lab yeah because yeah they could train to power at home but actually what the coaches were doing was giving them reasoning of why their numbers were doing what they were doing right yeah so it's, it's not just it's not just dumb luck going on a bike with a power meter yeah uh, you've got to be able to apply the science so working systematically through it and making sure that the person who wants to aim for that thing gets it and yeah. through systematic and progressive training that's what you can achieve yeah so is it how did it work at athlete lab for for you then mate were you were you designing programs for people because it's a like you said it's like all the city boys in a room it's like it's like spinning on nice bikes isn't it really yeah there, there's no racing unfortunately it's all power based so it's all to their numbers every single right. person had their own ftp yeah um and then we designed programs for them so basically they come in as much as they want in a week yeah. and if they wanted some more structure we could just do that through training peaks which is what essentially is and has been and is my passion so that's yeah. going forward and that's yeah. now here which yeah. is mate talk to us a little bit about your cycling you said you you started racing bike races tell us a little bit about that because i'm always interested to hear what people have done and how they sort of then apply that in their coaching as well yeah, so um, again, like took it up in Saudi. My dad got me into it. He's a terrible bike racer, but he saw some potential in me. Um, started racing, like just read books, looked at like YouTube videos, watched loads of cycling anyway. Got into it, like looked at look at the scheme of how people race, try to train around that and go towards it. So looked at yeah. three months time, what am I doing? I want to do that crit race, or there's a in six months time there's a, a week-long stage race in in the uh, dolomite so how i'm going to train for that how am i best going to serve myself 
and achieve what I want to achieve and right. then just work systematically back from that. Right. And then... So you sort of put it all together yourself, really? I had help along the way. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I read some books, I watched some YouTube videos and I worked back from it. No, I've, I've had a lot of um, good mentors. I've had one of my old friends from New Zealand. He was instrumental in like getting me up to speed about applying it. Yeah. Um, and then also speak to some of his friends who are like national coaches in in certain teams and certain uh, certain well New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was really really good to like school myself as I go along, and then just use your head, use your head, apply it, and then see if it works. And then try something new if it doesn't. That's what I was going to ask you, mate. A lot of it is quite okay. There's a scientific side of cycle coaching, cycle training with yeah. with, with with power and stuff, but a lot of it surely is common sense, especially on uh, what we probably say within our region or within our market it's quite an amateur cycling market it's, it's common sense to a point I think it depends how seriously you want to take it a lot of people yeah. will apply common sense and it doesn't work for them I think <laughs> the, the minutiae of, uh, of, of coaching and, and training on especially power wise is getting yeah. people to understand how their bodies work and us understanding how they work and respond to exercise yeah. beyond beyond the simple metric of power there's so many other variables that come to play so right. bike fit strength conditioning off the bike things to do like rest recovery yeah just everything that culminates so bike alone is about 40 percent the rest of it is equally as important if not more yeah and i mean tom that's something that we you've obviously spoken about a lot and 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 with a lot of your clients who are, who are working i mean you've got a client who's also a pilot and training for triathlons and stuff the thought was a little bit about that time off the bike or outside of the sport mate because i think that's a good point to sort of reiterate yeah i think pilots you can learn so much from from yeah. coaching people on those sort of schedules that maybe they, they could be a nurse or whatever shift workers as it were um because you have to be a bit more smarter with the recovery time and and yeah. realize that okay they're spending the rest of their time when they're flying sat down yeah and maybe they're not you know they do a hard bike ride and then they're going to go sit down for 12 hours and feel awful at the end of it dehydrated yeah, right. with stuff you can't avoid well yeah you know for someone else who might have that bike ride to do yeah that then can go home and get a good night's sleep on a you know on a proper schedule you have to rethink that a little bit with with someone who can't get that so do you need to push them as hard in the training what can they do when they get the other end so from a real like uh, rob was saying from a whole dynamic perspective of, of everything that goes into it there's so much to think about not yeah. just simply the cycle training itself yeah right it's uh, i mean and that's i think that's what we've seen a lot as well like there's because you, you you've had access to quite a unique market there the city market the amateur cyclist yeah. trying to trying to get better talk to us a little bit about that mate and how you've handled that and also a little bit about the growth of cycling like it's you know i, I mean athlete lab i think when it probably opened in london everyone was like what yeah but, you know talk to us about your thoughts on that mate and the growth of the sport Oh, cycling's just gone off, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I think it all stems from how well the the British team are doing, and well, we're doing when they took over the world. Then Team yeah. Sky came along, and everybody just went absolutely mad for it. Yeah. Everybody and their dog wanted to pick up a bike, and that's wicked because that's that that's what it's all about, really. That's what it was built to do. And then getting the city lads and city lasses who work high stress jobs, who fly everywhere every week. It's it's been a real learning curve and real fun to try and balance out and make sure you're you're hitting everything and all the all the goals along the way. Yeah. But cycling now is just it's just worldwide. Now it's not even just road cycling. It's it's gravel bikes. It's adventure racing. Yeah. It's, it's getting across Europe by yourself with a with a backpack on. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's all the the whole 
variation in it is just next level. I mean, we had that, didn't we? Uh, Tim Lawson, who was on the show, who we interviewed the other week, and should really remember when that one is actually going to come out. But he was talking about that and his his daughter or his son his was daughter, was, in, yeah. was into was into cyclocross, sort Cross, of on, yeah. on on gravel bikes and crazy stuff, huh? Yeah. What changing. do you think, though? Because they are saying, and I sort of agree to an extent, is the sort of development side of our British riders coming through is, is pretty good but once they mm. get to that in-between level of going from sort of top-end amateur into pro why haven't we got a much strong we should have lines of strong British teams and, and we don't they all go off, off to Europe don't they in race why do you think in in UK because you've raced a bit in the UK as well yeah a little bit aye. what's that scene like is it strong is it not the racing scene in the UK is huge um, there's a guy who's just been signed by Team Ineos and there was development on the Wiggins team I think who came from basically racing for oh, some team in London um, and then he just got picked up and he's not he's not super young so he's yeah. been brought through it's getting loads better the, the cycling race scene in London and the UK in general is getting really strong now and people ship off to Europe because that's where most of the races are. I think fundamentally you can't race as much and as many days in the UK. So they have to go abroad. Like littler teams pick them up. There's more sponsorship there because in Europe it's more of a culture. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's, it's getting there for, for England and the UK, but it's not quite there in terms of like every fanatic. It's still just about to hit like massive, but still a little bit niche. Right. When you were speaking there, I was, I was thinking about something for amateur cyclists. How important is it that they maybe target races in Europe or target events in Europe to, especially here, because I, I often think about this, like people spin around Al Qudra, it's yeah. flat track, it's a great place to train, very good for, for, for triathlon and stuff, but like, what really is the goal? Is it, do you think it's important that people are training to go to the Alps in summer or training for these races? I think it's super important, yeah. Um, I think if you've got a goal, you work better towards it and everything becomes more structured. Like. If I'm going to go and spend seven days in the Alps, I know I'm going to have to go up a hill pretty fast. Or, yeah. well, I'm going to have to survive first off, and then yeah. you work on your, your metrics and how fast you actually go and compete. Yeah. I think having a goal for the Alps, for the Dolomites, for the Pyrenees, yeah. like there's so many untouched places out there that are just absolutely amazing. And it's to target, even around here, like in Amman, like there's some amazing yeah. riding up there. I think uh, I think it's a, it's a must, really. How do you prepare people in a place that's as flat as Dubai for mountains that are as aggressive as the Alps and the Dolomites? Uh, fun. So <laughs> a turbo trainer comes into play quite well. Yeah. Um, off the bike work also comes into place. When you're looking at a hill climb, you're looking at well, power to weight ratio first and foremost. Yeah. Um, the ability to pedal quite slowly and put out quite a lot of power consistently for up to an hour, even more. Like in yeah. a had 200k day and you're doing 5,000, 6,000 meters of elevation, yeah. you've got yourself a bit of an issue. So <laughs> lots of low gear work, um, big steady blocks at 90%. Right. Um, just getting the body used and acclimatized and muscular endurance basically and yeah. strength endurance as well. So it's really hard to recreate that feeling when you're actually on a bike yeah. up going up a hill, um, yeah. especially when it nips up to like 15, 20%. Yeah. Especially an, an uneven uh, climb is yeah. super hard to train for. Yeah. Um, but it's just about mimicking the physiological demands on a on a turbo or out on the out on the road into a headwind stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
That'll get you there. And then I guess that's where some of these things like Swift and even Tax have, have an app. I remember I was going to ride Monvon 2 and I rode it about five times before I actually got there on the Tax app. Yeah. It cost me about eight quid to download it. It was a bit of a rip-off, but, you know. So. Ripped off there, mate. Yeah, totally. Mate, talk to us a little bit about, you've mentioned off-the-bike work that you do with people off-the-bike. Talk to us a little bit about what that is and, and how you put it together. It's just um, it's it's accessory movements. It's complementary to the work they're doing. So you've got to be super specific what you're doing. You can't just say, okay, go and do that class. That doesn't make sense. You've got to look at what they're targeting. So, for example, if you've got a cyclist who's has had knee pain or has had hip pain, or wants just to get more consistent and has niggles along the way, then you yeah. look at their work. You look at the the well the demands of the cycling pedaling stroke. Yeah. You look at their bike fit, and you pull it apart, and then you just break it down. So fundamentally make them stronger in the the main accessory mo- uh, main um, movers yeah. so legs lower back yeah. stuff like that and being able to hold that position flexibility mobility it's all comes together and knits together and it has to otherwise it just won't you won't achieve what you you really want to yeah i think that's probably where in cycling we've seen the least work done by people so far people have got to where they've got in cycling by riding a lot and that's great but they're not paying any attention to all those other things, right? Yeah, it's becoming as it becomes more and more of a job and more money's involved in cycling, then people start to take more notice of it and it trickles down. So in all pro teams now, they do yoga or Pilates every single morning, like religiously. Right. They've got like teams and teams of uh, strength and conditioning people who work with cyclists. Um, before Luke Rowe had his crash, he'd never been in a gym before. So he right. got there in pure talent low. And wow. then after his crash, I think he broke his leg or something crazy like that. Broke his femur in like seven places. Yeah, or something. absolutely. Yeah. Just and that was on a stag do, wasn't it? Yeah, he jumped not in not shallow water, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Oh. But what I suppose that happens on, on stag do's. On, yeah. on <laughs> Welsh, Welsh. Well, yeah. on the flip Still. side of that, you've got him. He, he's come through now, and now he's in the in the gym every day, yeah. working harder, and he's less injured, and he's a better bike rider for it. So, so go figure. And then they see that, they hear about it, and it trickles down. And the coaches, like high level coaches, like like us. Uh, applying it on Backs a himself. I like it. Should, should. <laughs> like uh, applying that and seeing people like their mates see their mates do better. Yeah. And they say, "What are you doing?" And they say, oh, "I'm just riding with you." And then I'm doing the strength work. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, so that what, works. How does it boil down though, mate? Because I mean, this is something that we see a lot here. Like people will be out riding bikes on the weekend, and for them, yeah, it's fitness, but it's been with their friends. But they want to get better. But then during the week. Are they too busy or aren't they too busy? So if you if you got hold of someone, you know, and it says he wants to get stronger, what, how much riding versus how much gym time in a week do you? Do? And I know it's quite hard because it's it's very specific to the person. Yeah. But for someone who's maybe getting a couple of rides in a week, how many times should they be going to the gym? Uh, at least three times a week, I'd say. Right. It doesn't have to be a super long session, and it doesn't have to be in the gym. Right. That's the thing. So you can do strength work at home. You can do right. it on a plane if you've got an air pilot who's got a bit of spare time um, <laughs> but yeah it it's, it's, doesn't always have to be super heavy it yeah. can be lots of core work lots of fundamental movement work yeah. stuff to get movement patterns working correctly and firing so like it's not just strength it's your, your how you activate your body I sense that uh, maybe this gentleman might be uh, looking to steal the Run Strong format and develop Cycle Strong Tom Walker. That's exactly the plan. Cycle <laughs> Strong is coming in 2020. There we go. Huh? That's news to me, like. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I think that's cool. I think we've heard enough of your cute little uh, Geordie accent there. That's for sure. Unless Walker, you've got any other questions for this guy? 
Uh, I think you should share about the uh, your home route experience. I think that's quite cool. Yeah, that you haven't sold yourself very well, to be no, fair. Sorry. We'll yeah, give you yeah. another 30 seconds. <laughs> Tell us, best day on a bike? Best day on a bike. Um, probably the last stage of the oat route in the Dolomites, which was epic. I was seventh overall, and my, uh, my, my co-worker was uh, went ahead of me from Singapore, and he'd been like, just sitting on my tail all week. <laughs> and uh, it was just a big old, big old battle at the top, and I came third that day overall. Um, like crested a mountain basically at sunrise of the uh, the fide and it's oh. just just beautiful yeah. and then finished the day off over six overall in like out of 500 people for the oat route. route is the route that they used in the film Icarus Icarus so that's if you don't know what that, that is yeah. go and watch Icarus and then easy race easy. very easy there's a couple of skinny super, guys there super easy yeah just, super just easy. chill just yeah. like seven days of cycling up a hill and down a hill what was total elevation of that week Oh, I've got it on a. I've got it on a um, map. On Strava. No, no, no. <laughs> so the, my, uh, my the clients that I took over there, they made me a printout. Like there's a thing called uh, Psychology, and right. basically they they stick down all your metrics, which is pretty cool. That's very it was cool. Something, it was something stupid. It was, it was like every day was average three thousand meters. I think. Yeah, decent. I mean, we should also mention his recent uh, marathon, mate. He's obviously got some gas there as well. Runs like Bambi on ice, but <laughs> we can fix that. Queenstown Marathon, a little bit hilly. A little bit lumpy. Yeah, got married the same day, so oh. it's all good fun. Double On the course? Or? Absolutely not. <laughs> but your, your wife uh, ran the race as well. Yeah, she did, yeah. We both, like, she got her target, which was getting it done. Yeah. I got my target, which was a sub three first ever marathon, and Queenstown was just, whew, what, a, what a view. Crazy, crazy place. Yeah, I've heard it's it's definitely worth going to. Yeah. It actually gave me a thought. Some. Keen runners, I wonder if anyone has actually been married running. You know, Vicar, Keen, Keen Vicar. Yeah, uh, they've, they've stopped, eh? They've, in the London Marathon, do it all the time. There we go. They run in a oh, wedding see. dress and like, the yeah. tux, and then they get married and quickly keep running. At a race that we were in in Jordan recently, a guy proposed on the finish line. I was going to do that, but I wouldn't be able to stand back up after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he proposed on the finish line, and the Ultra X guys gave the couple... I'm pretty sure they gave the couple uh, free entry to their races for life. Oh wow! For, yeah, for getting yeah for proposing. So oh, wow. I got I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got a wife for life, mate. It's so. true. It's true. It's worth it for sure. There we have it, folks. That <laughs> is Rob Foster. Give him a shout. RF at innerfight.com. You'll see him around the gym. But mate, welcome, welcome to Innerfight. Welcome to the Middle East. And we're looking forward to seeing some pretty decent results out on the cycle track. For sure. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good day. Thanks for tuning in. No matter where you are in the world, have a nice day.